Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with, of course, with Tina Spring. And we were talking today, um, here in Ohio, we're having unusually wonderful spring weather for February. And I was telling her that the thing I'm going to do when I wrap up the podcast today is take both of the dogs out for a nice long walk or run in the in the local park. And she said, you know, with the arrival of spring, you get some days that are absolutely fabulous, and then you get some days that are absolutely not fabulous. And so your dogs are like in between, like we're really anxious to get out, but it's icky weather today, but it was nice weather yesterday, and our dogs are kind of turning into dragons. And so... What is it that we can do? What can we work on on these beautiful days? And what is it that we can work on when the not-so-beautiful days? And one of the things I was thinking of was the idea of working on your recall. Because I think this is the time of year the dogs get outside and they're like, Oh, this is great. I just want to run and run and run and run and run. So recalls become a challenge this time of year on those beautiful days. But I was going to have Tina kick it off with talking um, a little bit more about um, those kinds of behaviors and strategies that we can take a look at that might make it easier to enjoy these beautiful days here in both Ohio and Georgia and wherever it is you right. love. And I would say coming when called is one of those things that we usually do a pretty good job working on when our dogs are young and as they get older, we kind of rest on our laurels and we forget to reinforce and we get into kind of some not so awesome habits, right? So we stop remembering to reinforce the behavior we want. So I'm going to, I'm going to base this on like the not the people who have a brand new dog. I'm going to, I'm going to do this from the perspective of like, you've had a dog for a while and maybe that coming when called muscle is a little weak at the moment. Um, cause distractibility is super high. So the, the number one way that I tell people like, this is my freebie. If you call me and say, your dog doesn't come when called, I'm like, okay, great. I want you to pick up the dog food ball and put their food in your pocket, <laughs> like dogs, dogs meal in pocket. And every time your dog comes on their own voluntarily to check in with you to be like, Hey, person with the thumbs, where's my breakfast? I reward them with a small amount of their breakfast. And then I'm like, what a good dog you are. And I walk away. I don't call them. I let them volunteer. And I do that kind of all day long until I have a dog who's like, excuse me, mom, did you need me? <laughs> um, once we have that going on, then I can start inside the house practicing, maybe saying the dog's name and seeing when they head my direction, adding that come in there. Yes, I do, the, I do something very similar, and I, and I love that. The idea of what we want to do is we want the dogs to think this is their idea, that, that coming yeah. to you is really in their best interest. This is, this is my idea. I mean, I'm so brilliant. 
I come to mom. Look what look what I've trained her to do, man. I come to her and she feeds me. Um, you know, right. really, she's eminently trainable. She's just eminently trainable. And look at what a great person trainer I am. Right. Right. Like I want my dog walking down the, the road to like say to the other dogs, like my mom's really funny and she's super well trained. Like she rewards me constantly for things I get right. And she doesn't really give me much of a fuss about the things I get wrong. So once I've got that happening inside on those pretty days, assuming you have a fenced yard, that the inside and the outside temperature is about the same. I open the door for that beautiful two hours that the weather's gorgeous and I blur the line between inside and outside for this behavior. So dogs are out laying in the yard and then they hear the Amazon truck pull up out front. So they decide to come in. I'm like, you're brilliant dogs. Yay. Cookies for the, you know, dog food for the dogs. They're so smart. And the dog's like, oh, well, I, I can come in because I my experience is the root of not coming when called is they're outside and they'd rather watch the squirrels than sleep on the sofa. And so you open the back door and go, hey, come on in the house. And they go, no, 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 I'm watching the squirrel show. It's on all the channels. I don't want to come in and watch the president's speech. And so they're like, no, I'm just going to ignore her. And she'll eventually storm off. And then I can stay out here watching the squirrel show. So I want to blur that line. And then also I do it poop scooping, right? So I'm out there with the pooper scooper again. I've got some of the dog's food in my pocket. When the dog comes over and is like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, you're a brilliant dog. Look how smart you are. Here's a handful of your breakfast. Go away. And I walk away from the dog. So again, I get a dog who's starting to be behaviorally sticky to what I want. I'm getting the behavior long before I need it and before I'm asking for it. So I really do want the dog to volunteer. Right. And one of the things, one of the other things that I will do too is, is in the off chance that I don't have anything in my pocket or my bait bag has been apprehended by Clementine is now in the living room rather than where it's supposed to be. Um, (laughs) One of the things I do try to remind my owners is that if you have food or treats on you, great. But if you don't, that doesn't mean you can't reward your dog for coming to you. It's just not going to be a food reward. So maybe, you know, when your dog comes to you and you don't have food, maybe it's an extra special, you know, cuddle or, oh, what a good girl you are. And here's an ear scratch. I know how much you love it when I scratch you right here behind your ears. Or maybe it's, um, look, oh, look, there's a toy here. I'll throw the toy for you. So if you don't have food, doesn't mean you can't reward. But understand that food is probably the easiest reward that you can use. But you might want to make a list of all the things that your dogs find rewarding. Because that way, you can have them at your availability to use in case you don't have food there. And so it's like, yes, and Zuzu just came up to me, so and I don't have any food on me, so she's getting a really good ear scratch right now. So that every time she comes to me, the mo- it's the most rewarding thing. The other thing I just wanted to add in there is... Be very careful that you don't inadvertently punish your dog when they come to you. Right. Because the last thing you want to do is the dog finally comes to you and you're like, listen, you, (laughs) I'm really mad at you right now. And a whole bunch of thunderstorm headed their way. And they're like, okay, memo to the dog. Do not return to the grouchy woman when she makes that face. Right. Right. Or, Or even things like you come, okay, 
you're, you're doing the squirrel show. I get that. I need you to come to me. You finally come to me. I snap the leash on you. Right. I was just having fun, you know, chasing a ball or a squirrel or whatever. So the leash may mean a walk, but in that context, it means the end of the fun. So be careful how you use your tools as well, because the leash can be a reward, but it can also be a punishment under appropriate circumstances. Right. So another trick is to have stations that that's where you pay the dog. So I'm actually doing this with Dovey a little bit right now, the the Doberman puppy, because he kind of, well, he likes to clobber you when you go to get him. So I do a lot of walk out, put food in a specific location that like I call him, I say his name. I'm not saying come, I'm just giving him a heads up like, hey, there's, I'm putting food in the spot. And then I head into the house before he gets to the spot. So he can't jump on me because he currently kind of wants to jump on me. So then, so I started with just paying him in a location. And then when he started listening for the back door, which is kind of the key I wanted was for him to listen for like, Hey, I think the lady's coming out Um, and going to that station. Like she's going to pay me right at the X to then pay him at the X and keep rewarding him for keeping his feet on the floor. Then I throw a little bit of a food scatter out into the grass. And when he commits to that, I go in because his, now he thinks the funny game is, to come close and then jump on your back when you go to walk away. That's about as much fun as it sounds to have an 80 pound dog jumping on your back. So the way we're getting around it is to give him something else to do and to practice walking away from him. And that just doesn't get reinforced. So he in like a day pretty much gave up jumping on my back. He's still jumping on Chris's back. Cause you know, Chris does it his own way, but at least I'm not getting clobbered on my back. So next step for him will be paying him in the location, putting the leash on, taking the leash off, paying him in the location again, and then sending him out to play. Because I don't want him to assume that when I call him to that station, it means he has to come in to the house where it's dreadfully boring and there are a lot of rules versus outside where it's the squirrel show. So just blurring that line that it doesn't always mean that all the fun is over. I like that. I like that very much. So I think part of what we're trying to say here is that training a recall or a come doesn't have to be hard. This is not something that requires you, you know, uh, sort of drilling them on it. This can be very organic and very much a part of your everyday life. And so that what you're basically telling your dog is that, you know, paying attention to me, being next to me is really worth your while. Good things happen when you hang out with me. And so if good things always happen when they hang, when, when your dog hangs out with you and you get a variety of rewards, sometimes I get a treat, sometimes I get some kibble, sometimes I get a ball thrown for me, sometimes I get my ears scratched. I don't know what's going to happen when I show up at Julie's side, but when I do, good things happen to me. That when you then attach that word, right, that's going to mean, oh, good things are going to happen to me. So that's the other thing I, I did want to say, too, that if you, you've used the word come and it hasn't and it's been poisoned, the dog doesn't listen 
or you inadvertently punished and you sort of ruined the prompt, doesn't mean you can't retrain and change the name of the prompt. You know, change it to here or some other, you know, some word that you can remember because the dog doesn't know. You're going to make a new association. Right. Jack came to us with his recall completely devastated. Like, if if you say come, he actually turns and goes the other direction, right? Because he's like, oh, I'm not going to be able to chase squirrels. So I built a queue called in, right? Because that was just what I thought of. So I started it with open the back door, yell in, put hit for, for Jack, it's cheese. He will sell his soul for cheese. Totally and completely. That is his love language. He might think he's a wolf, but he's a wolf who likes cheese. So I used to just cut up string cheese and open the back door and yell in and put string cheese on the rug outside the back door. Right. So that, again, he would listen for the door and he would listen for the cue. And then eventually I would, on pretty days like today, leave the door open and start by paying on the rug and slowly moving the reinforcer into the house. I'm nowhere near it. I'm back at the kitchen table already. And eventually the reinforcer occurred in his crate. So what he learned was in meant come in and go to your crate. Now he may or he may get locked in there. He might be told he can like he's free to move around the house. It's up to him. But I wanted a cue that was like you have to come in the house. Not that you have to come to me and I'm going to put my, like, I'm going to touch your collar or whatever. Cause he's, when he's outside, he likes to think he's a wolf or a coyote or something. So he's like, I am a wild dog. Wild dogs do not get toweled off and they, they're naked. They do not wear collars. And so I do not want anyone touching. And he's not mean about it. He just doesn't want you to touch his collar. It's his locus of control goes away if he does that. So I just wanted to build a way that if we had a tornado coming, I could say in and he would immediately come in. And it, and it took probably a week to build. That's it. Um, he's not a hugely food driven dog, uh, but it worked really well. Yeah, that sounds like a really, really great thing to do. Um, I like that a lot. Um, my dogs are not that talented, but then I haven't tried. So maybe I should try that. I think that's great. Okay, so we've talked about recalls. Is there any other behavior that you think is conducive to this nice day, icky day sort of thing? Yeah, I love Leslie McDivitt's look at that exercise for lowering arousal about things going on in the environment. And so, again, this is a time of year where dogs have been inside a lot because of inclement weather. There are beautiful days here and there that wildlife are more active. Your neighbors are out jogging and walking and riding their bikes. And so I want to really teach my dogs. It's totally cool. Look at the thing, but check back in with me too, right? That's going to serve me on coming when called. It's going to serve me uh, to help manage or reduce reactivity or even fear uh, or aggression even. And I also want the dog to learn that is the point of socialization really is to be able to take in the environment. And even if you have big feelings about it, you don't have to act on those big feelings. Like I'm your mom, I'm here to help you. Or I'm your, you know, in the case of Christopher, Christopher is your dad, he's here to help you. So 
going out into the yard and pointing out to my dog, like, ooh, do you see the deer over there? That's a really interesting deer. What a good dog you are. And and helping them bridge that just because there's a deer doesn't mean that we have to lose our marbles, right? That we can just watch the deer and that that's kind of cool too. And that they're not in trouble for seeing Mildred walk with her doodle down the street. I'm going to, if I'm outside, poop scoop in the yard. I'm going to be pointing out like, look, Mildred's over there with her dog. So that I'm not trying to get my dog. I'm not trying to trick them. I'm inviting them to notice things in the environment and kind of reconcile that with it's not an emergency. We just notice the thing, right? We, we don't have to flip out about it. What would you tell an owner who's like, okay, that's cool, except that every time my dog sees a deer or a squirrel, we're not just looking. We are immediately within you know, a millisecond taking off. So do you do this on leash or do you do this off leash? Or, or what would you say to the person whose dog is so terribly reactive that looking is just not an option because we're immediately in pursuit mode? So if, if my dog was immediately in pursuit mode, I would start the exercise inside with inanimate objects my dog doesn't really care about. So look, here's, can you look at the car keys? Excellent. Good job. And pay them so that I'm practicing the exercise separate from, oh my goodness, there's a Bigfoot, right? Um, I want to work up to, can my dog notice a falling leaf? Can my dog notice the flag in the neighbor's yard moving? Can my dog notice the Easter bunny inflatable across the street? Can my dog see the kids across the street playing on their playscape and not losing their marbles? So I want to slowly ramp up to the dog being able to handle things that are more difficult for that dog. Um, And that can be a little bit frustrating for people because they're like, I just want the dog to go outside and leave me alone for a half an hour. Um, Food scatters work great for that, generally speaking. And you might have to start with really high value food in the grass to get those food scatters happening. But it tends to work really well to kind of turn down the volume of exterior stimuli so that your dog can start to reconcile like, Yes, Mildred is walking with her doodle, but I can still like think and not just be like losing it over that. I think a lot of times dogs are becoming hyper fixated in the environment to a certain extent because they're lacking enrichment. They don't, that becomes the most exciting thing to do every day. It's more exciting to yell at Mildred than it is uh, to do anything else in my day. So I want to try to increase enrichment in other ways so that the dog is filling up kind of their enjoyment tube with things other than poor sweet Mildred and Rufus getting trash talked from my backyard. Right. So I think, (laughs) so it, it, this brings me back to what our last podcast was about, which is about thresholds. So what we're talking about here is understand what your dog's threshold for reaction is. You know, maybe if we see a deer through the window, we're not nearly as bad as if we see a deer outside. So you want to add in these distractions at a rate at which you're not going to push them over their threshold into reactivity. So start training the behavior on things that are not reactive, that the dog does not react to, 
and then start slowly adding in things that, that have a potential perhaps to be reactive because they move and then try to work as much at a distance from those things that they're really reactive to. But in conjunction with that, in order to reduce their overall reactivity, make sure that your dog has interesting things to do during the day, be it a, a, an intelligence toy, you know, a really good stuffed Kong, um, you know, playtime with his buddies, uh, kibble scatter. One of the things that I find if, if I've been gone for a few hours and the dogs are kind of crazy when I get home, we go outside, they go to the bathroom, and then oftentimes what I'll do is, is I'll do a Cheerio scatter because that brings them down enough that they can then talk to me in a reasonable way. And so I find that that the scatters, whether it's kibble or Cheerios or you know, whatever, really do help to bring that reactivity down because they're really focused on using their favorite scent, which is, you know, their favorite sense, which is to smell. Well, and this can be used to reinforce your recall. Like we can bring this full circle again, where Mr. The Jack Russell Terrier, when he is outside and there is prey, goes stone deaf. It's a terrible problem that some terriers have. Um, So if I have his food, and he comes and checks in, I'll do a food scatter, which he thinks is the bee's knees. Like that is his favorite game. So I can move away and go on to, you know, flicking sticks out of the yard or picking up poop or whatever it is I'm doing. When he checks in again, food scatter, walk away. Eventually that becomes part of his recall. And I'm going to slowly test that when he looks out of the fence I might not even perceive what he's looking at, but when something draws his attention, can I say his name and get an ear flick, which would be progress, (laughs) and go, yay, and food scatter, and he'll come running over. So you're building the behavior by getting the behavior to occur first and then adding the cue, right? So we don't name the baby till it comes. So For me to say, Mr. Come, Mr. Come, Mr. Come, and Mr. Staring at squirrels and yelling at deer and trying to dig out of the yard, well, then he's just learning that Mr. Come means all those things, not to actually come when called. And and he's funny. He totally figures out, like, oh, oh, we're working on coming when called. And then is very responsible as he's figuring it out. I would also say if you have a dog who gets overwhelmed by the environment, and then their ears turn off, I would absolutely invest in a referee's whistle or something that makes a a sound that is atypical to the environment and to condition your dog that that sound means hot and cold running roast beef for 30 seconds at a time so that you have a novel sound that cuts through all of the voices in in your dog's head to get their attention. And so the same I the way I build that, just so you know, and I'm sure someone way more brilliant than than myself came up with it, but I I toot the whistle, cheese 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 and have a big party with them for like 30 seconds and then I'm like, "Oh, it's so sad it's done." And I walk away from them and the dog's like, "What what just what just happened? I liked the cheese part better." Um, toot the whistle again, cheese, 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 until when I toot the whistle, the dog is like a lightning strike that they stop 
whatever they're doing to race over. And then we're just maintaining that and making it a funny game. And I'm not going to use it only when the gates open and there are deer on the other side of the gate. I'm going to use it multiple times a day to help the dog be successful. And I might then start to practice in novel environments with a long line so that I can keep the dog safe, but we can practice where it's a new and exciting location where maybe we haven't sniffed all the sniffs a million times previously. Right. And I've done that too. That And what the tone, what I try to make the tone mean, means you need to stop and look at me. That's what the tone, you know, and eventually, usually the dog comes running. But really what I want the dog to do is to stop doing whatever it is you're doing and check in with me. So I've, I've done that same thing with the tone and I found it to be very successful. When you were talking about the scatter, one of the things that I uh, teach a lot is find it. And I use find it in three different ways. One is at the front door. It's like doorbell rings. Look at me. Find it. And I toss a handful of kibble away from the distraction, be it the front door, be it if I dropped a glass in the kitchen. It's like, oh, no, find it. And I send them in the opposite direction with a kibble scatter. And then they're over there, you know, scooping up the kibble while I'm cleaning up the glass or whatever. So that's one way I use find it. The other second way I use find it is something similar to what you were saying is I remember one time when I was in downtown Granville and I had three dogs with me. Um, one was a golden, one was a flat coat, and one was a burner. So it's like a lot of dog. And I saw a dog coming whose looks I didn't like. I don't know. It made me uncomfortable. So what I did was I went, oh, hey. And they all turned to look at me. I went, find it, find it, find it. And I dropped a handful of kibble for each one of the dogs. So they were turning and facing me. They were snarfing up their little kibble skip. You know, it wasn't a huge scatter, but it was a little scatter for each one of them. The bulldog, I think it was, walked by. My dog's weren't doing anything that would arouse him. So he didn't do anything. My dogs didn't even notice. The bulldog walked on. Nothing happened, which was exactly what I was aiming for. So I used it as a way to get my dogs to turn towards me. Everybody got their own little pile. And then the third way I do it is if I'm walking along and we need to get past something, I will do, oh, find it. And I take a treat and I toss it about two feet in front of us. So the dog runs and gets it. And I, oh, find it. And another two feet. Oh, find it, find it, find it. And there's a way we can scurry down the sidewalk and I'm not jerking and pulling my dog to keep it away from whatever it is I need to get him past. Instead, he's going for that treat. So find it is, can be used either with, with a handful of treats, it can be used with one treat, and it can be used in like several different ways, but it's a really handy skill. And I will put my find it handout on the show notes, as well as I've got a a calm handout that talks a lot about the same thing we were talking about, rewarding your dog to come to you whenever you talk about it. So we'll put those two things up on the, on the website. So I, I will say when we're doing staff training for sit happens, one of the things we talk about is really pulling apart. What's the difference between what we do and what the average family does. And what we see over and over and over again is our reinforcement rate is higher. It just is like, I know that there's not a special place in heaven for the person who didn't give that last piece of string cheese to the dog. So I want a lot of interaction from my dog and I will totally use whatever that dog's love language is to get more of that. Because once I've got the dog's brain, 
then like the sky's the limit. We can teach whatever we need, right? So Dovey is a big, intact, doofusy teenager who he's a big dog. Like he's knocking on 85 pounds. Like it hurts when he bounces off of you like a Volvo. Um, and he's not being ugly. He just likes that big, rough and tumble play. I don't want to tell him he's not allowed to play that way. I just don't want him playing that way with me. So I'm giving him other things to do instead. He still can, like one of our dogs loves to play with him that way. And I'm like, bully, you guys go ahead and enjoy that whole thing. And he's very, uh, they, they modulate their play really well together. So he's learning how to do that which gives me a window that he can do that for us too. He can start to take an inventory of like, hey, does mom like getting a shoulder blasted into her at 25 miles an hour as I'm running through the yard? Um, But what I would say is because he gets reinforced for so much, he asks me more questions, right? So I'm not standing there waiting for him to offer something reward worthy I'm going to instigate reward-worthy behavior by having rewards available and giving some of them to him for free. I do that, too. Are are we awful trainers? I mean, just to, you know, it is. And the other thing is, is I would much rather have you have an ill-timed treat than take the risk of harming your dog. So you give him a couple extra treats. Nobody, but nobody is going to suffer terribly from an extra piece of string cheese. And the worst thing that happens is you accidentally teach your dog something you didn't want to teach them. You put it on cue and you never ask for it again and you're on to the next thing. It's just not that difficult to fix. So in the case of, so what what I would say, like when I think about Dovey, who's currently like our big project, is that he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. If I waited for him to write War and Peace, he'd never get another piece of food and we'd both be crazy frustrated. He'd think everything he does is wrong and that why would he listen to me, right? If every if I'm like, ah, you're just the world's worst dog. Likewise, I'm frustrated with him because I'm covered in bruises and mud, right? Like that doesn't sound like a great relationship. So instead... I do a lot of go find him, feed him a handful of kibble. He eats, you know, six cups of food a day. There's going to be a lot of it. That's a lot of learning. So I can start reinforcing the behaviors I want. Sometimes I'm going to get it wrong. Sometimes he's going to clobber me anyway, but I kind of brace for that. And we're just moving slowly in the direction of more of what we want, less of what we don't want. Right. Well, one of the other things I was going to say is, is what I tell my owners is I said, you know, you may be working on a particular behavior, like maybe you're working on a down and your dog gives you an adorable play bow. There's nothing wrong with rewarding for a behavior you didn't ask for, but you really like. And, you know, if you're not willing to be open to what your dog is offering you, you're going to miss opportunities to reward and to train. And so, you know, just be open to behaviors that they offer and that anytime um, I think it's Kathy Sedeo talks about smart training, see mark and reward training. And I love that. I tell people you see something that you like, you mark it. Yay. And reward. 
CMARC and reward training. It's a really simple way to get a lot of desirable behaviors. And it comes in her, um, I think it's her book's called Some Things in Life Are Free. It's a great book. Have you read it? I, I don't know. Anyway, I will put Kathy Sadeo's book Maybe. on there too. I will say like, I think the number one thing is reward your dog, reward your dog, reward your dog. Even if it's a complete surprise to them and makes them wonder what you're rewarding them for. Because guess what? While they're going, I wonder what that was about. They're not jumping on you. They are paying attention to what you're doing and you're making them curious about you, right? So I might reward Dovey by having a food toy that already has some of his kibble in it and I give it to him. Like I toss it to him where he is so that he doesn't close the distance and tackle me, which he just thinks the tackle game is the bestest. Like he really needs a teenage boy. So it's fine. Like I have like a bunch of food dispensing toys that I can just toss to him and he can play with them and I'll collect it up later. It's not a big deal, right? He gets to have a really good time. I am the bearer of good things, which generally speaking makes you more interesting to your dog. So he will ask me more questions instead of being frustrated. Uh, and, And really all training is that way, right? I might from time to time, put him on a leash. Right now, I'm not doing that because of some health stuff I've got going on. So I'm trying to teach him how to do some things without the the lever of a leash. But I could totally do it with a leash and just let him drag it if I didn't want to hold on to it. And I would say all of these exercises, you can modulate for what works for you, right? If you don't have a fenced yard, you can use a long line. If You don't have a fenced yard. You can go to a private dog park where you rent a paddock and you practice there so that you start to learn when your dog's brain is available to you. Because one of the mistakes that I know that I have made in the past is to call my dog when there was no chance whatsoever that the dog was going to be able to disengage from what was going on in the environment. And that was an error on my part. I probably needed to close the distance and do some other things and build more resilience in that dog. Because, well, the example that I'm going to give you is a hot air balloon crash landed across the street from my backyard. We had never practiced that particular scenario. What? scenario Are you joking past. me? We, that's, we practice that at least once a week. You know, <laughs> I have to rent a lot of hot air balloons, um, you know, to come and crash. But, you know, it's, I, you don't practice that? What is your problem? Right. So, so one of the things that I would say is that the environment will at some point throw stuff that's really difficult. And sometimes you're not sure. You're like, I'm Catholic, so I'm like saying a Hail Mary in the back of my brain while calling the dog, hoping that they will come when called, right? I will also say you can make it easier for your dog, like an owl decoy that gets moved around your yard every three days. Huge help when it comes to a dog who's hyper fixated on the chipmunks, because that owl decoy will do two thirds of the work for you. It'll run the squirrels and the chipmunks off. You can also move your bird feeder to the front yard instead of the backyard. If you're a goofball like me who didn't realize that I was accidentally calling the squirrels into the yard to then make my dogs nutty. So like there are lots of really easy ways to 
make it easier for your dogs to do what it is you want them to do. Right. If you if you can't call them off a squirrel, probably polite leash walking is uncomfortable and not terribly successful. Well, you know, I was going to say when you were talking about um, sort of when Dobie was at a distance and you caught talking, tossing him a treat. I was thinking about our Hudson and uh, he was our golden and Hudson had this great ability to throw the tennis ball to you. He would come up within like six feet and he had this toss of his head and he'd throw the ball and it would land like right at your feet. And we really encouraged that because that meant that this great big 60 pound dog was not going to come crashing into me. So when he would toss the ball, it would be, oh, what a good boy. Yay. And I would immediately throw another ball, pick up the one that he tossed to me. And so when you see something that is advantageous like that, and it was really cool. I mean, he could really toss the ball like six to 10 feet. It was amazing. Encourage that by rewarding it in some way. And in that particular case, it wasn't food. I didn't toss a piece of food. I tossed another ball, which is what he wanted right. me to do anyway. So it was a right. perfect way to, to, to um, reinforce that particular behavior. So think about if something happens, you go, oh, that was cool. That should set off something in your head that says, wow, maybe that's a reinforceable behavior. If I thought that was really cool, how do I get him to do it again? How is it that I reinforce that in order for that? Because anything you reinforce, you're going to see a lot more of. Well, right. And and you might, if you're reinforcing it twice a day, it might take a little while to have some momentum. But honestly, you can take your dog's breakfast and reinforce with a handful of kibble over five or 10 repetitions and make a really big impression on your dog, right? I just want them to go, huh? Huh? Cause then I've got them right now. So I can remember. So Victoria once cleaned her room all on her own as a teenager. And, um, and so I was walking down the hallway. I think I was putting like towels away or something and saw that her, her room was like pristinely clean And so I did that fake heart attack and stroke and death in the hallway, very melodramatically. (laughs) I was like, oh my goodness, her room is clean. Like this is a teenager, right? Like her room usually looked like a small nuclear device had gone off. And I just like faked this really melodramatic stroke, which ended up with both of us cackling like loons, right? (laughs) Which was the goal. Right. It made a really big impression on her. And after that, I could just be like, you have no idea how much I love that you're making your room a sanctuary for you instead of all that chaos. Doesn't that feel better to your brain? Right. Because her having a clean room is not about. I don't have to live in it like it's her room, but I want her to desire peace in her space. That's why I want you to clean your room, right? So that your space feels like a sanctuary. Well, then, so you can find all the spoons that have been missing. Well, so she didn't, yeah, we didn't do food in a bedroom. Well, we generally didn't either, but it was surprising to me sometimes where I would find yeah. things that weren't yeah. necessarily in the in the proper location. So you never know yeah. what, what might emerge from the nuclear holocaust that was sometimes their rooms. Right. So same thing. Like if she borrowed my car and actually put gas in it, 
I, she I would just have that, a stroke. Oh, wow. That, right. Because that's kind of a big deal. Like, I want to make a big deal out of the things that I want repeated. And I do not want to make a big deal out of the things that I don't want repeated, which can be really difficult, right? Like, our dogs, our kids freak us out from time to time. And it's really hard not, you know, because we're human too. Like, we've got all sorts of silly, stressful stuff going on. Um, I try to make sure I'm making a bigger deal out of the stuff I want than the stuff I don't want. Now, some stuff you can't ignore. If it's dangerous, I can't ignore that. If it's a safety issue, I'm not going to negotiate on that. And I'm I'm going to do whatever I need to do to keep everybody safe. I'm not asking, you know, I'm not so foolish as to say like, oh, you can never tell your dog no. Like, that's just silly. They can hear no. They can hear that's unacceptable. Like, we're not doing that. Um, but ideally, we're in front of the behavior, not behind it, in a perfect world. If you're finding that you're behind it, then I would tell you to m- take a good look at management of what you can do differently to cut it off at the past before it happens. So an example would be Dovey's new trick is to come in and then jump on the counters before checking the water. So we are coming in and having a food scatter inside the door. And then we walk to the water. The food scatter takes up enough time that I can get to the kitchen before he does so that he doesn't get to jump on the counters. And he's not even looking for anything. Like there's never food on our counter. He just thinks it's funny to climb on stuff. So that's a memo to me. Like, okay, well, I might want to put a dog walk in the backyard that's, you know, four feet high or three feet high because he likes that athletic climb on stuff moment. And I I do not currently this moment have the energy to do agility with him. He would have to come when called better, though he doesn't turn. So I might be able to outrun him on the flat. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, he's in Doberman. They run pretty fast. So I don't know. I'd, I'd kind of like to see that. But That's a lot of momentum, though. They do. He's not like a turn on the dime kind of kid. So probably not. Okay. So I think the thrust of what we're talking about here is to think about ways in which you can do things both inside and outside so that when these lovely days start coming and are more frequent, you will have had a little bit of practice outside on some of these infrequently lovely days in in February and March. So when April and May come along, it won't be a complete shock to your dog system. Going outside means maybe I can actually keep my brain inside my head. And to work below threshold, reward well and often, and um, look for moments that are rewardable with your dog, that you might be surprised at some of the things that you can teach your dog with very little effort when they are offering you unique behaviors. Well, and, and really create opportunities to reward. So if my dog is staring at the deer and not barking. I'm going to reward him for that. I'm going to reward him. Like, what a good dog you are. Most of the time, my dogs are like, what are you talking about? I don't know what I was doing that you just told me I was a good boy. Right? I think like we don't hear enough of you are enough. You are good enough. 
right? You're awesome. We love you. We want to spend time with you. We want to do things with you. We don't hear that enough. I think our dogs kind of the same thing. They don't hear enough, like what a brilliant kid you are. Because they they really do, in my experience, want to understand and do what we want them to do. Like they have a lot of get along in them. They just sometimes didn't know what was getting rewarded. So um, I don't know, spend a day only saying positive things to your dog. That'll give you a window into how much you're saying negative things to your dog. Right. And would you, if, if, if the shoe is on the other foot, if, if you only got told you were doing something right one out of 50 times, would you start to kind of ignore that person? Because it's not terribly rewarding just hearing everything you got wrong. Right. Let's extend that courtesy to one another, to our dogs. It, you get further by asking for what you want and rewarding it than you do by going, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. And because that doesn't give any of us information of what you want us to do, right? It's just telling us that we're wrong all the time. And no one, I don't think any living creature enjoys or really learns terribly well from that. Right. Okay. So, Smart training. Think, mark, and reward training. Look for opportunities to reward. Reward often. And be positive. So, thank you very much for listening to Your Family Dog. If you have not already subscribed or clicked follow, wherever it is that you get your podcast, please do so. That helps others to find us as well. And if you have any questions, ideas, thoughts, suggestions, we'll try to make them positive. Positive thoughts, suggestions, and ideas. We would love, absolutely love to hear from you. So if you can send us an email at feedback at yourfamilydogpodcast.com, we'd love to hear from you. And we look forward to seeing you next time when we, very excitingly, are going to have Mark Beckoff on to talk about dogs. And uh, we're looking forward to that. So we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.